Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes received orders from the Queen to help return order to old Corvosa during her address to the people of the city. The Queen also announced significant government restructuring, and in a shocking turn of events, survived an assassination attempt from the recently deposed leader of the Sable Company. After the day's events, Sylvie revealed some troubling history concerning the Fordyce household, and the party prepared to head to the old city. What awaits them beyond the quarantine? The Cursed Campaign continues now. Welcome back to Bestow Curse. Glad to be here. Long time no see. Oh boy, have things changed for us. Uh-huh. The times, they are changing. The queen's been shot in the head. Long live the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be trying that one again. <laughs> the queen survived an assassination attempt. Yeah, good thing none of you are bow users. She pulled the reverse Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> the reverse Abe Lincoln. I'm a bow user. Well, I mean, like, but you have spells. You're not like you're not like a ranger that uses bows. We forgot to loot the assassin's body before we scrambled out of there. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, been a good look. Real good look. Here's the city. Don't want to go to waste. Squatting over a corpse. Putting stuff these, in guys are gonna, these guys are going to save old Corvosa. Squatting over a corpse, grabbing all of his <laughs> shit. While we're like going through his wallet. Literally <laughs> looting while a riot's going on. The exemplars. Wait, wait, wait. I'm looting something. I'm looting something. I'm looting something. <laughs> do, do, do you think he's going to cancel his credit cards? No, I'm just going to grab him. 55 <laughs> coppers, 55 scrolls. Uh. Well, uh, yeah, that was an interesting episode. A lot of revelations in that episode. Oh, I loved, I loved the uh, the Sylvie reveals. Yeah. Hmm. There's still more to learn, but I feel like we learned quite a bit last episode. The Sylvie stands uh, are eating good. Yeah, they're eating good. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. eating good. Well, some of it was uh, new to me as well. I, I dole out bits of knowledge now and again. Sometimes, mm-hmm. little tidbits, little, little bits keep you guys interested. If any of you had a uh, a weird dream like that, maybe not like that, all the time. Do you have dreams about uh, becoming the king of Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> That's Guy Fieri. No, yeah, it is, is Guy, Guy, Guy Fieri. Fieri. I wouldn't oh. want to depose <laughs> all Guy Fieri yep. puts a crown on my head. You and I. <laughs> We'll rule. Flavor we, we have to go to his Flavor Town Fest, right? This yeah, is how they work. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah they haven't announced anything about it, but we're going. I'm just scared because it's like $150 for the so tickets. So expensive. But he said Ooh. the best food, the best musical acts. Who knows what that means? I'm I, expecting Fire Fest with just better food. I hope he grabs. Sure. I hope he grabs Creed. Flame from the Creed Flame Royal Fest. Flame Royal Fest. But I I want to come back to what you just said because yes yeah because Creed's touring at the same time so I hope he grabs oh, Creed that'd be great because they they're not stopping in uh, Columbus mm-hmm. unless Guy Fieri tells them to they were really good in the office I like them a lot <laughs> <laughs> how are those dreams I had a weird one recently uh, that <laughs> Haley kept coming home with these like Alaskan Malamute puppies 
Mm. She like kept coming back. She was like, well, you know, I couldn't leave these ones because they were like, you know, they were going to be sad and like alone. At the- <laughs> and we had like five of the like, and I'm air quoting puppies because they were like still puppies and like a hundred pounds of pop. Like Alaska Malamutes are huge dogs. And I was like, five is too many. Haley. Like we can't, ha- we can't have five. And she, she was like, it's fine. Yeah. She's like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> We're, we have to keep them. I already adopted them. <laughs> this feels like a, it could be a real event. <laughs> it was stressful. It was a stressful dream. I was like, well, what is the implication? Like, we got to rehome these. And you're like, absolutely not. I mean, how could I rehome them? I already adopted them. Yeah. Yeah. I had a weird one uh, this last night because one of our friends is like, oh, you you play this new Lethal Company game. You want to play this with us? And I was like, I didn't really know much about it. So I looked up some clips at like, well, I'd seen some clips, but I looked up some more at like 2 a.m. in the morning uh, before I went to bed. And it's all about this like, uh, you know, exploring these abandoned laboratories full with monsters or whatever. So my dreams were about exploring laboratories filled with abandoned monsters. Hmm. And uh, a little scary, but uh, some interesting dreams, I guess, you know. Do you remember any of the monsters specifically, or was it just general monsters? General, there's this like one weird one that's like, it's like torso is more of a face and it's got these awful arms. It's like towers and hulks over you. So like that one was like chasing me through some rooms, uh, which was a little scary, but uh, I got out of there, you know, got on the spaceship. And then I was just like, at, the part of the journey I don't remember is like conversations with the rest of the crew on the spaceship. Ah, doing some stuff there. Blacked out for the ride home. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've been there. <laughs> pretty tame for uh, a dream as far as I'm concerned. Some of mine get pretty wacky and like weird dreamscapes. So, you know, Chris, you were in my dream last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Yeah. I saw you there. <laughs> On the space. Oh, really? <laughs> huh. So I had this wild dream last night. A couple years ago, my parents moved out of my childhood house and are in a, a new home now that's also in the south suburbs of Chicago. And I had a dream that me and my brother were going to go visit them. And my brother's driving the car that we're in, and we're just driving through endless subdivisions, like cross-section streets, like and we're not using Google Maps. Like, we cannot find my parents' house. And I'm just shouting at my brother from the passenger seat, Dave, look at the goddamn street signs. Like, I know what street they live on. Just when we find that street, we'll just follow it till we get to their house. And he just keeps driving through all of these subdivisions, street after street. And he's not looking at the street signs. Also, I want to put a note here. This wouldn't work in real life because they live on a cul-de-sac that like is not in a grid area. So you can't just follow a road down, (laughs) though. I know the street they're on. That logic is not sound. But at one point we hop out of the car to start looking around and to try and find my my parents place. And there's a, a, a house that has an open garage. And I go in there and walk out with an American flag on a flagpole. And it's at that point that I realized that Chris has been with us the whole time and we start getting attacked by a badger and it's jumping at me and I'm trying to hit it with the American flag and uh, then the dream ends. So I don't know what that means. There's a lot of symbolism there. Yeah, a lot of symbolism. I think I think I knew that we were playing Bestow Curse today. So I was like, Figgy was in my brain. Um, and that's why I was getting attacked by a badger. 
not sure what the American flag has to do with anything or why Chris was there. That's pretty but. crazy. I'm going to have to ask you to stop putting me in dreams, okay? Well, listeners, we'll see. listeners, don't dream about me, please. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm my own IP. Respect <laughs> my personal can't. space. Don't put me in your dreams. You're infringing on my dream rights. <laughs> my I, dream lawyers will contact you. I had a somewhat scary dream not that long ago where I was trying to escape from a vampire. And at that one point, uh, well, this this was this was a scary vampire because they were trying to turn me into a vampire spawn. And I finally oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a vampire spawn. So I'm running away and it's kind of like a maze like castle. And eventually I find a window that I can jump out of. But it's like on a cliff stories down. I'm like, well. It's this or become a vampire spawn. So I'm going to do my best to escape. So I jump out the window, but the vampire does somewhat get me. So I get split into like my soul and then my body, which becomes a vampire spawn. And so then my soul is doesn't die in the fall and is like still trying to escape. And the vampire is trying to catch me. But my vampire spawn self is trying to help me out a little bit without being too overtly against the vampire. And it led to me like running through cities and it was a stressful dream. Wow. So when that move. splitting happened, like your perspective was the soul and like a clone of you, like the body was like helping you out. That's wild. Yeah. Is that it? Oh, wow. that's crazy. Yeah, I was I was still trying to escape and myself, I was the soul, but my body was elsewhere with the vampire. Dang. This makes a lot more sense. Right before recording, Emily said that she had a dream about a vampire who split her in two and then she was helping herself out. I was yeah. envisioning split directly down the center Same. and like oh. one arm, one leg, helping one arm, one leg. Now, Steve was telling me about a dream he had with a vampire that split him in two. That was a very different, <laughs> 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 a very different interpretation also, of that Also, this is a PG-13 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The kids don't know what I'm referencing. <laughs> Banana splits, children. <laughs> you guys have a lot of serious dreams, except for Griffin's. Griffin's wasn't serious. Totally realistic. This is chased a lot. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys fearful people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking terrified. Oops. I'm terrified all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I just had a dream of, like, usually I just dream about whatever book I've been reading, but I haven't been reading books because I've just been playing Pikmin 4. So I just had dreams about Pikmin. Mm. Um, just just playing the game, mostly. <laughs> good Dandori. Good Dandori, yeah. Critical to have good Dandori. Um, but I did, while I, like, while I was dream playing the game... I did have a really cool thought, which is um, it would be neat to have Pikmin in the future farm that I will own in order to help manage the farm and do good Dandori all the time. Hmm. So. Haley wants good dandruff. Good to know. Dandori. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Misheard. Very critical concept. <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, that's, a, my, that's all my dream was. Pretty boring recently. I've not had any exciting ones recently. They're all about books or video games. I had this. I this was a follow on dream that I had recently too. I dreamed that we had like leveled up in this game, 
And then I, I woke up and was like, I, I don't think that actually happened. It was only <laughs> just a dream. Yeah, guys. Level seven. Don't get greedy. <laughs> no. No. You just dreamt Come it. On, Griff. You dreamt oh. it last time. I was talking in my sleep when I said that you guys <laughs> I dreamed you leveled up too, but sleepwalking through this campaign. Guys, we're in his dream right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Kaylee, get the puppies. They're in the bathroom. I know where they are. Uh-oh. Well, oh, I gotta give out of here a point. Uh this one is going to Sylvie for all the character information we just got. This one is from Jason25North. Since I know you work in ice cream, dot, dot, dot. One day, a wife asked her husband, why is the laptop all sticky? Here we go. The husband said, it's not what you think. It's ice cream. She asked, how did you manage to get ice cream all over the laptop? He said, have you ever tried eating an ice? (laughs) Have you ever tried eating an ice cream? while?" (laughs) This is a PG-13 show. (laughs) I, again, did not read through the whole thing. I got to ice cream and then stopped because ice cream is innocent and wholesome. You oh. stopped at ice cream. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't think why is the laptop all sticky might lead somewhere. I, I didn't read that, that long. Far. You could have read the rest of it. <laughs> oh, you read, I know you work with ice cream and went, that's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Ever. So here's a sweet treat. Here's <laughs> a sweet treat. Babe, it's sorbet. I swear. <laughs> Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how that uh, translates to hero points, but uh, I got another I guess, one. I guess it translates <laughs> to the rocky road ahead. Good, good riff. I like that. When, that was a classic riff riff. Yeah. When last we left our heroes, they went to the Queen's proclamation where they were lauded as heroes, but also the fate of old Corvosa was kind of pinned on them. And then they saw the queen get shot in the head, survive it, kill a man. (laughs) And then basically stare daggers at them. When she told address the city about enemies of the throne and the fate that they would endure, they followed Cressida to Citadel Volshnik, where she told them uh, some new information that Van Carlo had gotten to her and about her concerns for Van Carlo's well-being. Then they settled down for the evening at the Fordyce household, and Sylvia revealed some information about her past that may be relevant to the Queen's situation, namely her family's pact with the devil. And she dreamed a dream. And you guys woke up at level eight. Yay! So I guess before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, I do want to talk quickly, as we always do, about any cool things you got while leveling up, and maybe how those things happen, or how you, you know, how you imagine like your character came upon those upgrades. I get a uh, class feat, archetype feat, and skill feat. Right, everyone gets that. Class feat was a really, really easy pick, which is incredible companion. So we'll talk about Figgy in a second. Um, archetype feat, I did take advanced trickery, which is the same thing I took at level six. And that is very interesting because that allows me to get another rogue feat. I specifically took magical trickster. So now I can do sneak attack on magical attacks using spellcasting, which is exciting because I think, I think that you're going to see a theme here a little bit. 
because the other feat that I took was Slippery Prey, which means I'm also able to escape bonds more easily than others. So I am trying... I'm going... I know that we are going into a very tricky situation. We're going into a situation where we're going to have to not get caught and try to catch them off guard if we're going to succeed. So Mir has taken that and has taken that to the next level by being better at escaping and being much better at, uh, you know, attacking people unaware. So there's that. And then on top of that, she just wanted Figgy to be ready. Be ready for this, this war that's coming up. Not be ready, be fast. Be ready, be strong. He's savage. So there's a couple options you can pick at Incredible. You can pick Unseen, Savage, or Nimble. Uh, I picked Savage. So Figgy is now large. Ooh. Which is exciting. He has Rage, which is also exciting. Taking um, after his boy. Yeah, he's been learning how to fight from Diego. <laughs> So now he is a savage uh, animal companion. He's stronger. Um, he's, he's he's stronger, much much more HP, uh, and can attack a lot better. I'd imagine maybe as as Mir has slept and and thought about you know this dangerous situation she's get in and how careful she needs to make sure she doesn't get caught and all of these things. Right? She uh, awakes maybe a little early to find Figgy has raided the pantry, and Figgy has eaten way too much. <laughs> Just sitting on a pile of empty wrappers. <laughs> pile of empty wrappers, mechanically large, absolutely massive. <laughs> Is that truly the sound of a badger who's had all he can eat? <laughs> But that is, uh, that's everything that I did to level up. I'm sure he also cleared out every single varmint and worm that could exist in the garden in that time. Because going from medium to large overnight is insane. Yeah, the garden's all tore up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Sylvie has picked up quite a few things with this level up as well. She has been paying attention in the combats we've had recently where there's been a lot of bleed damage a lot of persistent bleed damage happening. And she starts to pick up key points where you could stab a rapier and inflict bleed damage of her own. So she now can do a bleeding finisher, which allows you to uh, get your uh, precision strike damage as persistent bleed damage on top of the regular damage if you hit. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to use that in combat. She also is getting a little stronger with her magic and knows we might need to do some sneaking. So she has a few new spells up her sleeve and she also gained advanced witchcraft. And after she wakes up from that dream, her head feels heavy from the crown that was placed on her head and she just can't shake that feeling when she goes to brush her hair she can't quite get a brush through it anymore and all of a sudden her hair flicks the brush out of her hands as she now has living hair as that crown has imparted 
some magical energy into it. And she can use this to make unarmed attacks and trip attempts. That's awesome. Freeze up another hand. Very cool. Wow. All right. Well, Diego got stuff too with level up. We got skill class archetype. So skill feat. Uh, I took battle cry. This is a, a feat that uh, a player used against me in, a, in high level Ruby Phoenix games. So I'm very excited to be able to use it here in this game. When we roll initiative, I can demoralize uh, a foe that I see within 30 feet as a free action. Oh, very cool. I don't know if it's still 30 feet or if it's like just an observe foe with the remaster, but like a free demoralize is nice action compression to start a battle. Um, So there's that. My class feats, the barbarian class feats at eighth level, kind of mad. There's maybe some athletic stuff. Uh, There's better stuff for other instincts, but I decided to take the champion dedication. So Diego with his brand new canonically fully metal non-corset armor mm-hmm. is feeling much more champion-y and is dedicating himself to the redeemer cause for his deity which is Shawanti animism and there's no edicts or anathemas really associated with Shawanti animism so he's kind of got free range to interpret that how he wants a little bit um i that gets me trained in society which i think is is kind of a useful skill to have in a city so that opens up a bunch of interesting champion type feats later on which is like the big purpose there uh my summoner feat my summoner archetype this is the feat that i i took summoner for i had this <laughs> i had this feat in my sights as like i'll take all the downsides if i can just get this one feat at eighth level i took through the way that you can pick up skill feats uh this is a fourth level uh summoner feat called lifelink surge it's a focus spell and it essentially for a somatic action one somatic action gives me fast healing equal to my level for four rounds so or eighth level fast healing eight for four levels at tenth level fast healing ten now you might be asking chris isn't Leon doesn't lay on hands give you basically that same amount of healing instantly for one action with lifelink surge you've got to be have those four, your eidolon's the one healing in lifelink surge over four actions so if your eidolon on manifest cuz you go unconscious doesn't the life doesn't the fast healing stop there aren't you aren't you worried about that i am now <laughs> <laughs> you know if if i had reevaluated the champion archetype lay on hands versus this at a higher level you know maybe i might have went that path but um here we are <laughs> And this is what I have. So I'm going to use it. And hopefully it doesn't burn me too bad. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the last several weeks of living in Corvosa has been really difficult for everybody, including Vecralby. And being a healer boy as he is, the city's getting weaker. It feels like the people are losing hope. And for this reason, he is taking Invigorating Mercy, where his divine touch now rejuvenates the weak and tired. So when I use Mercy, which I can use to get rid of a fear or paralysis effect, um, I can now also remove clumsy or enfeebled conditions. It's pretty good. Uh, Additionally, he realizes that he can be a little bit more versatile. So... 
I also took Blessed Spell, which once every 10 minutes means that when I cast a spell, I can imbue it with any of the, um, or rather, let me walk that back here. When I cast a spell, I can remove any of the harmful conditions that I can remove with Mercy. So I just expanded that with Invigorating Mercy, and now I can translate that into my spell. So I don't necessarily need to be laying on hands to be using that counteract stuff, which is pretty good. I could be like, you know, using a level two heal and removing conditions at the same time, which is pretty cool. Um, I think the, the real interesting thing for me, though, is this skill feat that I picked up. Now, it's only a level two skill feat. But it's called Eyes of the City. And Vex been talking to a lot of people, gathering information, rubbing shoulders with people. We just partied with the people down um, at, uh, oh, the name escapes me right now. Trails End. Trails End. But he's been getting little bits and bobs of information. And now using this Eyes of the, Skitty, uh, the City feat, I can use Diplomacy to track, with a capital T as an action, creatures in settlements. So I basically can track things down. And the cool thing about the track with a capital T action is that it is um, associated with your level of mastery in that feat. So untrained, trained, expert, master. I'm a master in diplomacy. So as long as I'm in like a populated area, I can basically track like anything using diplomacy, which I think is going to be really, really helpful as we move into Old Corvosa, an area where we know very little and we need to hunt down some very specific people like Ven Carlo or the Emperor or Devargo or whomever. I can just start talking to people and find where they're at. So hell yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Nice. So you're all level eight. Yeah. Yes. Great to be eight. You all spend the morning going and getting all your goodies. So Ooh. all the stuff that you put on layaway oh, is thank God. ready to go. The gold to, to, to buy it. Yeah, you finally have the gold to buy it. <laughs> now what are you doing? I think we need to go to Old Corvosa. But do we want to do that immediately? Yes. But so, how? The bridge. I understand we could just walk on the bridge. I just... What, where does the bridge leave? Old, I guess exit. Old Corvosa. Yeah, it heads to Old Corvosa. It heads to, like, the Bridgefront District. <laughs> I was wondering what district, Chris. Ah, the bridge leads to the Bridgefront <laughs> District. Thanks, Good then. to know. Didn't know that. I was just want to make sure, because we heard Old Docs is, you know, overrun. Yeah. We could stop by the Orsini Academy, as long as we can get to there without... Or you in my apartment and see if my grandfather is actually there or not. Mm, ben Carlos, the important oh, he's at, guy. Yeah, I was. I wasn't sure exactly what sub district I was in. Yeah, you guys live in Old Ducks. Okay, the that's basically all shop is in Old Ducks. Eels End is in Old Ducks. For everything Cressida was saying, it seems like Ben Carlos like it, it's really important for us to check up on him first. So I feel like that should be our primary focus initially. Okay, that makes sense. Well. How about we cross the bridge and just get an immediate sense of what things look like in Old Corvosa? And I think that might dictate what we have to do immediately, right? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> We're coming to it you, now, Chris. You're coming to it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. So you make your way to the only still standing bridge in Old Corvosa and... You are met with a group of gray maidens who, upon recognizing you, allow you to pass. 
um, and you have to go. There's this huge blockade on the bridge. It looks like it was magically melded out of stone, and there are steps on either side, so you have to like take the steps up, cross over, and take the steps down. Uh, and the whole thing is just like manned by gray maidens. We shouldn't have any problems getting back over that. <laughs> the queen gave us free reign. Can't be revoked. So you cross over and start making your way towards uh, the old Corvosa side of the bridge. What you've seen from the top of that kind of blockade is the kind of like latent smokes from several fires in old Corvosa. But it's still, you know, early-ish in the day. So daylight's on your side. You know that if you want to go to Orsini Academy, that was um, that was in, I think, the hilltop district of Old Corvosa. So um, you wouldn't have to, you could kind of go around um, the west side of the island instead of the east side of the island and avoid old docks entirely. As you're walking down the street, I need you all to make me a perception check. Okay, happy to. Is it to look at things? <laughs> it's a sound. Oh, okay. 23 for Diego. 27 for Vec. Ooh, Sylvie got a natural 20 for a 32. Woo. Mir also got a natural 20 for a 37, and Figgy got a 31. Wow. Yeah. Um, you all kind of hear down an alley this faint, like, it's like cooing. Okay. Mir would like to approach first if it sounds like an animal. It's Kaya. <laughs> oh it's gosh. a crossover episode. If you don't get that reference, listen to Skulls and Shock. <laughs> out now. Episode's out now. <laughs> um, Mir would like to approach first. Sure. As you enter the alley, you see looks like a queen's physician, like a, a guy in a plague mask, and he's like pecking with the mask at the ground and making these like cooing noises and chittering. Oh, this is a human, potentially. Sure does look like one. Something seems wrong with this one. Can I make a nature check to figure out what, like how, why, how, 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 why is, or is this normal? It's not normal. It's cooing and packing at the ground normal. Can Sylvie gets a little bit closer to try to see what it's pecking at at the ground. If there is something like a message. Just looks like he's pecking at the ground, like between the cobbles and stuff with the mask. All right. Mir's going to approach as if it's an animal. I understand it's not. Okay. But she's going to approach cautiously as if it is a wild animal and try to touch it, making some gentle, like, it's okay type of noises. Okay. We're about to witness our first rabies infection on the show. <laughs> Roll me a nature check. Okay. 36. Uh, you touched this man on the shoulder and he flinches at you and takes two steps back. What do you want with Rook? Are you human? Do you want me to breathe in the sick? 
want to eat the sick away? Do you want me to breathe in the sick? I've got the cure for the sick. Mm, me too. For asthma sent me to breathe in the sick. Stop people from dying. All right. How about we have a conversation? Like, take off your mask and we can... Mask? This is my face. It's clearly a mask, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, Mir turns back. I'm not sure this is a spell. I think he's not right. How long have you been nesting here? He kind of bobbles his head over to Diego. Not long, not long. Rook is here to clear the sickness from all the good people of Corvosa. I think I know what's up with this dude, but I want to roll a religion check because he mentioned Phrasma and he has this mask on. It's a bird mask. It's a freaking natural one. Uh. So Zach doesn't know what's up. He meant, does he think he's a no soy? Because I mean, that's what it sounds like. Right. Yeah. They're sent by Phrasma. They wear masks, but they're not people. They're psychopomps that are little birds that yeah. wear masks. They're but he's persons, pretending but, to be a bird. So that's all supposition as a player that I have, but Vec has no idea. I would say that's where my head was, is I assumed yeah. he just thinks that he is. I could roll a religion as well to try to understand something. 22 religion? He definitely thinks he's a psychopomp. Yeah. Oh. It's rare to, to meet such an esteemed psychopomp of phrasma out here in the wild. A good day to you, my friend. Good day. Would you like me to breathe in the sick? No, I believe we're cleansed of the sick already, but I would like to breathe in the understanding of what's been going on in the city. Do you have, what do you know? I kind of want him to breathe in the sick. You can have him breathe in the sick <laughs> with you. I'm not, I'm like, not getting near the guy. We have the cure. So what if he actually is sick as well on top of this sickness? Anyways. I don't know. Well, well maybe, maybe that'll be my last ditch effort. Great horrors! Everyone's dying! The people, they won't let me breathe in the sick! They're still sick! They're dying! Rook just wants people to survive! Oh yeah, we haven't I, distributed this, the cure to Old Corvosa yet. Yeah, so I was about to jump in there. Mate, mate, mate! We come from the mainland, and there's been... Uh, a vaccine found to to eliminate the sick. Um, perhaps we could coordinate our efforts with this rook you mentioned. I, but I'm rook. You are rook. Yes. Okay, you're talking in I the third person. The sick. Okay, okay. So we're 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 now inoculated against the sick. You can see we're not wearing masks. We're okay. Um, maybe we could help each other out. He cocks his head to the side. Are you, are you trying to meet more people that are sick to help them? Perhaps. How do you breathe in the sick? How? Let me breathe in the sick. Let him do it. I'll let him do it so long as I've got Diego next to me to step in. <laughs> he just gets really close to you and like nuzzles your neck. <laughs> can I? Oh, can I, I really quick tip his, tip his mask off? Don't. He's... Why? Why? I'm hoping that maybe can we can see if there's something like is this person still a person? Is what I'm worried about. It's a very a very uh, poor etiquette to do to a psychopomp. You don't think you tip his mask off. He's a deranged individual. I'm worried that there's more to this. 
Yeah, you so you tip his mask off and you see like just the grimy face of a man underneath and he starts shrieking. I very quickly put the mask back on. You can't can't uncork that. He starts shrieking and he starts like uh he he like falls into a fetal position and is shrieking and writhing in the on the ground. Why? Why? All right, someone else needs to deal with this because I've messed it up. You roll a medicine check. Yeah. Look, I was worried that I was worried something magical had fused this or done something severe to his face. Uh, 27 and eight on the die. Uh, he looks like he's wearing the exact same clothing as the queen's physicians and right. has completely lost his mind. I got that. Yeah, but there, there's... There's you, nothing you, else. You understand this as a complete mental break. Okay. How do you help that in Pathfinder? Well, you'll have to atone to Phrasma. You'll have to answer to her when you die. Why you disgraced such an esteemed emissary of hers. I don't know how you fix a mental break in Pathfinder. I mean, you you don't, like... (laughs) We should maybe just try to bring him along with us? And when we find a place, like, if the Orsini Academy has any sort of stronghold there where people are staying, maybe they could help him or bring him along until we find a set-up hospital. We can't just leave him, right? I mean, he's, like, still shrieking in a pile and he points he, like, points up at Mir. Leave Rook's Nest! Leave Rook's Nest! I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of here. Can someone make sure the mask is on, though? But, like, Mir needs to leave. Oh, he's, like, he's, like, Okay, perfect. Put it back on. I don't. I, I truly don't know how to help him. The best help we can give him is to stabilize old Corvosa so that he can receive the medical attention he needs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We don't have anywhere we can bring him, at least anywhere we know that's safe. For someone with a condition that, like, he has. I, I don't advocate leaving someone on the streets that's not mentally sound, but we literally just got here. We don't know what this place is like. We don't know how many more rooks we're going to bounce into. We need to get where we're trying to go before we decide to do anything. Mir wants to leave at least a ration for him, though. Oh, yeah, throw some bread at him. Sure, you. Not throw bread at him. He loves the bread. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not pecking, pecking at, at him. Look, I didn't take any worm pocket worms out. Like, why would you feed a man pocket worms? I, that's, like, you guys are acting like I was throwing bread at him like he's a bird. That's People not what I was bread. doing. Man, Mir is, Mir is just Mira out, out of touch like with humanity. Huh? This druid's out of touch with humanity. Wow. Mira, wow. Mir heals with mud and dirt. She does not know how to handle this. Mir, extremely disrespectful to the, to the mentally, to the mentally impaired in this city. We can. Wow. We'll add that to our list of things to do. Find a mental hospital and then come yes. back for him. <laughs> do you continue on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the streets at this time of day are relatively empty. It seems like most people are staying indoors with probably good reason as this place is likely devolved into complete anarchy. Uh, you see an elderly woman kind of shambling with the cart and you hear her like muttering in between sobs and she's 
You make a perception check. Yep. Another bird. Please don't. <laughs> 21. 26. Ooh, natural one. 20s. 23. Yeah, Diego and Mir can see that there are... Uh, her cart is covered in brightly covered fungi. Um, you think they might be used for, like, dye, for, like, pigments and dye. Uh, it appears she's, like, you know, it, it's kind of her cart is set up like, like she's selling things. I mean, I don't want to buy any dye. <laughs> None for me today, thank you. We... Do you approach her? Do you just, like, she's kind of like, she doesn't even really, like, engage with any of you. She's kind of, like, muttering and then, like, sobbing. Oh, sobbing. Mm -hmm. I missed that part. Um, I was like, oh, just a muttering, like, talking to herself stallkeeper. But sobbing is abnormal. I'm walking up and I'm going to talk to her. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it would be good if you talk to her first after that last encounter. (laughs) May I'm going to respectfully <laughs> ask you to hold on for just a moment here while I talk to this deranged individual. Excuse me, miss. My name's Vec Railby. Um, I'm a citizen of Old Corvosa, but I haven't been here in quite some time. Seems like the city's on hard times. Yes. I'm here to help if I can. Yes. Hard times. Hard to make a living. What are you trying to sell, miss? Uh, these... These... Fungi, they, they use for dyeing clothes. I haven't been able to make enough coppers to to help my sick family. Everyone's gone indoors. No one's buying anything. Now, is that because of the quarantine, or is that because something else is going on in this island? The emperor's thugs keep people off the streets, or, or he makes them join him. There's no interest in an old, an old bag like me. I'm alone out here. No one to buy my wares. No money to be made. No cures to be bought. We have a cure. We could just breathe heavily on her. Or I could pretend and do... I could deceive. Sorry, just thinking. I could say that I have, like, you know, I do have earth magic, but, like, I could make it up. And that would make her feel better because people aren't going to believe that you just breathing on them would help. I definitely think we should give her the cure and whatever yeah. helps her believe. Right. Giving her the cure is like breathing on her because that's it's not like I can give her an object, which I feel like that's why she won't yeah. believe it. Mm-hmm. I have been fairly consistent in saying that if we want to make sure she receives the cure, we should spit in her mouth. <laughs> But I'm open to other options, avenues for it. So we spit on a coin, don't show her it, give it to her, she'll bite it to make sure it's gold, spits in her mouth. Emily, that sounds like a plan. I'll I'll volunteer. (laughs) It does sound like a plan. With any good denomination, that sounds brilliant. You're rich, give me a gold. (laughs) (laughs) You're rich. (laughs) She hands over one gold piece. All right. Slobbered already. Poor family, all six of them sick at home. Now, now, miss. Um, I don't know that I need to dye any of my clothing today, but I understand the hardships that your family might be in. My family once fell from grace quite a bit, and things were quite difficult for a long time. You don't need to give me any of your wares, that's fine, but I do want you to have this. And he hands over the gold. You might want to bite that to make sure it's real. 
I think it is, but I got it from less reputable sources, you know. You might want to check it yourself. Did you pop the whole coin in your mouth first before you hand it to her? Yeah, obviously I switched it around. Good, 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 good. <laughs> she, she takes the coin, uh, bites it, and looks up at you, and you can see she's got these, like, completely, uh, like, glaucoma eyes, like, just these, like, fuzzy white eyes when she looks up at you. Thank you. Child of Aridin, thank you. I'm I'm sorry, what did you say there? What? Child of Aridin giving to the poor to help them. A gold you've given me should cure my family. I don't know a healer. Are you a healer? I am. That's what I do. And uh, I think, I don't know if I'm child of Aridin, but... I pay my respects, as many do, to the dead god. You must. You must. It's only a short way you must heal my family. Please, my children. They're sick. I and I'll help. I'll help heal your family, too. But we've all got to go. Because yeah. we can all help. Okay. I don't want her to take back alone. No, no, I don't want to go alone. <laughs> Bless you, Very child good. of Aridin. And she kind of like shakily uh, like pushes her cart another block down the street and leads you into a small hovel and the smell hits you as you see the small living quarters and six long dead children. They're sleeping off the sick. Sleeping it off, but you're here to heal them. Thank you, child of Aradin. You know that that look that happens on somebody's face, whether that's in real life or in a movie or a show, where they just see something horrible, but have to internalize it and keep uh, keep it in appearance up for the people around them. Like Vec just has that look on his face for a moment because he heard her call him a child of Aridin and that he was the one that could save this family and just walked into a room of corpses presided over by this clearly delusional woman. Ma'am, I, I don't know how to tell you this. This, your family isn't sleeping. I think something took them. And can I just roll like a quick, it, it, maybe it's just obvious that it was Blood Veil that did it and I don't need to roll a medicine check, but can I try to find out how they died just by looking at them? Oh, it definitely looks like Blood, blood Veil. Veil. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you've seen okay. Blood Veil corpses. And these are, I mean, they're old enough to smell. Yeah. Man, these individuals here are with the last Atlante now. They're, and they're an Axis. Oh no, they're sleeping off the sick is all. They're just sleeping off the sick and I, you've given me enough money to, to pay for a cure for them. You come to heal them, child of Aradin. They'll all, they'll all wake up soon once they've slept off the sick. I've been trying for days and make enough money to scratch together the cure. He's just sleeping it off his all. Tell me they're just sleeping it off his all. I'm no miracle worker. I'm just me. And I'm so, so sorry. 
It breaks my heart. It truly does. But this is the way things are. She begins to sob anew, and uh, she's... And if she's sobbing, he hugs her. Like, he, he's going to outpour as much compassion as he can. Um, is there anywhere... Is there, like, an... Is this... She's just, like, in the city. Like, there's nowhere to potentially help move the bodies if she would be comfortable with that. I mean, you could, like, move them out of the house. That's what I mean. Like, maybe Vec is consoling and the three of us are removing dead bodies from this frail elderly woman's home. Yeah, I think you could do that. I think she's she's just, like, sobbing and, like, holding on to Vec. She doesn't... I mean, she clearly can't even really see. Yeah. She can't She can't see it, and I imagine probably can't... Comp- like, either can't comprehend or doesn't want to comprehend this. And it's probably the latter, right? But, yeah. That's that's tough. That's some heavy shit. And so you clear the bodies out. Um, she finally kind of like separates from you, Vec, and she just like through teary eyes like looks up at you. You have the light on you. That's how I knew, child of child of the divine. You've got the light on you. I can see it on your silhouette. That's all I can make out. So that's not like a halo thing that I've got up basically all the time. She's talking about some sort of other thing. Yeah, if you think about how somebody with cataracts can see the world, it's all in kind of Mm -hmm. a fuzz. Like you had, you know, a cheesecloth over your eyes. Yeah. And so she can see like a shadow Mm -hmm. of a person. But that's all. Miss... I need to keep moving. I need to keep helping this city. There are many other people who need my help and the help of my friends. But I want you to take care of yourself. They're going to take you some ways, but make sure you get something to eat, rest, and we're going to do our best to get this city back the way it should be. The Divine will look over you, I'm sure. Evil sits in the house of the Divine. Oh... You must take it back, child Veridan. And at this point, he's like, okay, something's going on. What What do you mean by that? The Emperor. The Emperor sits in the last Aslantis court. False and evil. I think I know what you're referring to. It's that. That old temple, right? It became this house of excurables or something like that, if I remember correctly. The temple. Yes. And at this point, he gets like a little intense. He puts his hands on both of her shoulders. He's a frail old woman. Worry no more. I'll burn them out from where they hide. We'll take that temple back. It's going to be a place of light once again. The darkness is about to end here. Good. You must go. Be wary of the Emperor's thugs. They'd want a child of the divine like yourself. They'd take you if they could. Well, then I'll have to get them before they get me, huh? Good fortune on your journey. <laughs> Thank you for helping how you could. Take care of yourself. Well, these things are set right here soon. And he turns to the rest of the, the party. I think it's about time we move on here. 
and you like shut the door to her just like kind of sitting in um, in what looks like would have been her chair because none of the bodies were occupying it with her head in her hands. I also think I would have used as much like, oh, I don't have prestigeration, do I? No, I think I have that. I don't think primals. No, I don't. Prestidigitation. Someone Sylvie. did. Sylvie does. Ah, I was going to say, we should probably use that. Yeah, help. yeah clean so up cleans, a little bit. Cleans up a little bit. Yeah, while yeah. that conversation is happening, Sylvie's cleaning. So she's not sitting in that. And then I would like to say, I was right. The Harrow reading. I'm terrified that your grandfather is in the temple. Yeah, it's, it's going to be bad times. Yeah. Just prepare myself emotionally now. So. This book's going to be bad for me, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what other severely disturbed individual do we find on our way? Well, a couple uh, squares before you get to kind of the shore front uh, where the Orsini Academy is, you do see like a group of unaccompanied children. Oh, come on. they're, They're dancing around this like stick thing that they've made on the ground and you can see that there are a couple of dolls that they have like scattered around this stick thing and you can hear them as they kind of like skip around the the pile of things that they have in the middle singing a song this is ring around the rosy isn't it headless headless that you'll be Brand new dolls in the Empress Cemetery. Choppy, choppy, chop. The tall knife calls, waiting for the day for Kavosa to fall. And they're kind of like singing this and skipping around this. They're toys, and you can see that like the this stick thing that they have in the middle. Um, they're like dropping something on it on onto the dolls. And make me a uh, society check. Yeah, I can recognize a guillotine. Oh, yeah. 23 for Diego. 21 for Sylvie. You got me beat. Yeah, I don't think this is particularly hard for either of you to piece together. A tall knife is certainly another name for a guillotine. And it's a means of beheading that is popular in the country Galt. Dang, you did it. Emotional hat trick. Got us. So they're singing this song, and it looks like they're beheading their dolls. And again, the song goes, Headless, headless, that's what you'll be. Brand new dolls in the Emperor's Cemetery. Choppy, choppy, chop, the tall knife calls, waiting for the day for Corvosa to fall. So this confirms, though, to me, that the Emperor is not at all with the Queen which was one of my theories. I think that is looking very likely, yes. I don't know if- Hey, kids. <laughs> Who are you beheading? <laughs> oh, we're just playing pretend. But I've been to see the Emperor's real tall knife. Wow. Where's that at? Um, uh, in his palace, of course. Oh, silly me. Of course, that's that's exactly where that would be. In, and you're, you're playing pretend like does the emperor want to get rid of the queen or somebody else? The tall knife is for anyone that opposes the emperor. He's strong. Oh, we want bad. to be strong like the emperor. 
Uh, what do we want to ask these kids? <laughs> there are many ways that one can be strong. Not just in physical strength. Now, these events that you've been to, are they routine? Do you know when the next one is? Maybe me a perception check. Everyone? You can, yeah. 26. 32. Also a 32. Yeah, you get... You get the sense uh, when you ask a question like this and the kid squirms that um, they were probably bragging in front of their friends mm. about seeing it uh, uh, seeing it in person. Oh, thank God. You lying little <laughs> shit. <laughs> but the kids clearly know what's, yeah. um, they know what's happening. So he's got a guillotine. He's using it. Uh, and he's perceived as being very strong. Mm-hmm. Good to know. What else do we do with these kids, guys? Say, leave them be. Keep moving. Yeah, they're playing a game. All right. Have fun, but not too much fun. <laughs> they drop their toy guillotine's knife. <laughs> all. all right, we, we got to get out of here, guys. These kids are freaking me out. <laughs> chop, chop, chop. We, no, we need to go now. <laughs> this sounds like a game I would have played. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> Uh, finally, you reach the edge of Old Corvosa towards the um, like the northernmost area where the academy is, um, and you, as you approach, see the lingering, like some lingering smoke in the area. Smell uh, the scent of like an old fire, and Sylvie. Your old school is burnt to the foundation. No. Whoa. Nothing is left of Orsini Academy. It's a smoldering pile. Oh, she approaches the building and just falls down to her knees at the edge of the foundation and just stares at what's left of her school and the connection that she had to Ben Carlo. If this place is ruined, what's happened to him? Imagine after a moment passes, Beck walks up and as she's on her knees looking at this burnt out husk of a building, he'll sit down next to her. I know how it is for basically everything you love to be burnt down to the ground. I'm sorry. It's like this. There was... Oh, Pierre, I was, I thought if there was one bit of goodness left in this area, it would be here. And after a few moments, she'll stand up and kick through some of the ash a little bit. Just see if there's anything left behind, any remnant or maybe a explanation of what's happened other than just it burned down. Sure. Um, yeah, make me a perception check. It's a 26. You kick around, you do in the rubble find like a couple of like surviving fencing foils, um, some like half charred practice dummies, and you smell a strange scent here like a scent that you wouldn't expect from like a natural fire. Make me a crafting check. Mm. Ooh. Oh, 
overwhelmed by grief, I rolled a natural one for a 14. Yeah, you're not sure what this scent is, but it kind of lingers. You smell like smoke and then just like this off, almost sulfuric smell. Sylvie calls the rest of the party over. There is something in the air and I cannot, I cannot tell what it is. Does it uh, strike a memory for any of you? Anyone else have crafting? crafting? I'm not trained in crafting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's, our we- that's our weak skill. Yep. Yeah. No one else is trained. Sylvie specific. Oh, I appreciate your support. The building has burnt down. Yes. And I know you have many memories with this place, but the hope it represents is not gone. Not as long as we're still alive. If we make it through all this, we can rebuild the academy. We can return that hope to these people. That is true. And she kind of looks around the building, but also back to the road that we walked down. This this whole area is so much worse than I imagined. You do know that Vincarlo lived separately from the academy um, and that his house was close by. Does Sylvie know exactly? have an idea of which house would be his. Yeah, I think with your training with him, you would know. Perfect. Um, so you guys make your way to Van Carlo's house. God, Figgy's way too big. Figgy's so big. He can't even fit through a door. He'll squeeze. You find yourselves at the entrance to a rather modest two-floor structure uh, that Sylvie would know as Van Carlo's house. Sylvie walks up to the door and will knock to try to be polite. Uh, the door is closed. You knock after several minutes of no response. Um, you think maybe no one's home. Mm, I do not think it is. I do not think it is smart to stay on this open street like this. I do not think Ben Carlo would mind if we let ourselves in. Uh, just, I'm assuming it's locked, but she'll try the doorknob. It's open. Oh. oh that's worse. Her heart sinks, and she pushes open the door. Sure. Uh, you open into a... The, the house is warm. Um, it's not lit, but it definitely like there's there's like a heat in here. It's quiet as you walk in. You see an elegant and colorful Vudrani uh, throw rug that covers the floor of this mostly empty room. Oh, Sylvie will step inside and then take a look around to see if there's any signs of struggle or any traps or anything that are set up since there was an unlocked door. Sure. Go ahead and make me a perception check. Oh, that's a 14. Yeah, with a 14, it does look like nobody's been here in a little while, uh, but you can't really make heads or tails or heads or tails of like how long Mm. it's been. Sylvie motions to the rest of the party to come inside. I do not think he is here, but let us take a closer look. Me, Diego, Gakin, let's all get together and push, push Piggy <laughs> through this door. 
Yeah, sure. You all uh, enter the room and you see that there's a door in front of you and then kind of like a hallway with two doors to your left, one door to your right, uh, a living space it looks like at the end of the hall and some stairs that head up. Uh, I think we should just clear the rooms as we see them, just try to figure out what's going on and that way nothing can be kind of coming up behind us. What do you guys think? Yep, good. All right, Sylvie opens that first door. You open the door and you see a a well-stocked workshop for decorating and repairing bladed weapons. You see several partially repaired daggers and rapiers lying on the table. Um, You know, upon a cursory search, none of them look particularly valuable. All right, let's move on down the hallway. I'm gonna let Fee stand guard in the main foyer. Yeah, I I'm not familiar with how like companion mechanics work in Second Edition. Did you have to make him large? <laughs> this is so obnoxious in this space. He squeezed. Either nimble or savage. Nimble <laughs> just made him more dexterous and like dodgy. You want to do more damage, right? And savage made him more ready to fight. He just like takes up a full room. <laughs> As, as he goes into the room, Steve looks over at me and just shakes his head. Yeah, I just looked over at Haley in disappointment. Um, as you walk down the hall, you enter the living room and you see two large sofas facing a brick fireplace. A fire burns brightly inside the hearth, despite the fact that the building seems to be abandoned. Oh, just like that. Uh, mm. Detect magic. Is somebody actively using a fire or is it just some sort of perpetual magic fire. Well, uh, you know what I think of? That that malevolence fire pit place? God, I hope that. Right. Because if it's just, you know, perpetually keeping this place light and warm, that's one thing. If somebody was here three minutes ago enjoying a fire, that's a very different thing. Uh, detecting magic, the fire does not appear to be magical. Ooh. All right, this isn't like a keep the place warm thing. Somebody was just here. Okay. Stay on guard. There is a door that Diego's next to. He'll just open to check in really quick as well, too. Sure. You open up uh, what looks like a pantry. There's food and water stored here, although the perishable food has gone bad. Mm. Oh, that's not a good sign. Whoever's been here has not been eating the food here. There were two doors in the hallway we walked through. Sylvie will open the northmost door. Okay. Looks like a bathroom. It's got a freestanding tub. There's a bathroom in a Pathfinder? Wow. Wow. Yeah, more bathrooms in Van Carlo's house than in... uh... Not everything's the malevolence map. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and Sylvie will open the south door. Okay, this appears to be a study. There's a single leather chair that sits at a desk, while two tall cabinets filled with books about sword fighting and philosophy stand to the east. There's papers on the desk. Sylvie walks in the room quickly to the desk, and she starts reading the papers. Sure, the papers are mostly accounting documents and ledgers for the Academy. Um... If you're 
reading through them, it appears that up until the death of King Eodred, the academy was doing pretty well. Uh, but then business turned bad as students uh, stopped showing up, and Ven Carlo took an increasing number of uh, breaks from teaching. Mm. Ah. What could he be hiding? <laughs> I want to see what my Ven Carlo's been doing. <laughs> Been spending all his time playing blackjack upstairs. Upstairs, yeah. yeah let's go. Yeah, th- it it seems like we've pretty much cleared out the first level. Can I call Figgy to come over? Sure. You want him to squeeze up the stairs? I do. You hear the stretching of planks in the walls. <laughs> Creaks. Oh, he's so big. Make me a uh, perception check. Happily. Uh, this appears to be a training room. There's a couple of dummies here um, to train and practice sword fighting. Um, and there's, it's kind of like a, almost feels like a loft, like there's rafters up above and the ceilings are pretty high here. You also see a door uh, to, I guess, the east side of the room. I got a 26 on that perception check. I got only a, uh, 21, but Figgy did get a 33. Oh, wow. <laughs> that beat my 26. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, 30. Okay. Um, Sylvie, not only do you smell smoke uh, as this fireplace is lit as well, but you smell that same chemically <gasps> odor. Um, oh, no. I'll let you make another crafting check since... I got a three on the die for a 16... And I don't tell me the result yet because I'm considering using a hero point because I really would like to know what this is. And I'm worried it's going to burn his house down too. I I have two of them. So I'm going to use a hero point. Okay. Okay, a 22 this time. Okay, 22 is enough to smell the scent of residual alchemist fire. And with your 30 perception... That is just high enough to, now that you smell the smell, look around and see this residue on all the surfaces of this building. There's like residual alchemist fire powder. So some... Like someone's primed it to blow. Oh no. We need to get the hell out of here. And at this moment, a strike comes out at Mir and at... Vac. Oh no. As from invisibility, waiting for you. Two red armor clad <gasps> assassins. <gasps> oh. Step into view. Wow, such bug like armor they're wearing. Such bug like armor. Two red mantis assassins. Oh! Step out of the shadows to slash at Mir and Vec, and we'll continue the curse campaign next time. Oh, oh man! Hey. Chris called it. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2008. Curse of the Crimson Throne and Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. 
Paizo, Pathfinder, and their respective logos, characters, and artwork are property of Paizo and used with permission. If you enjoy this show, consider listening to our other Pathfinder 2e show, The Hideous Laughter Podcast, and supporting us on Patreon, where you can get exclusive access to our other actual play content.